Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his fire. Father God, we just thank you and praise you and just lift you up and magnify you. We thank you for your mercy. We praise you for the scriptures that say that your mercy endures forever. Because those, that may be some of the most important and powerful words that, uh, that, that, that we need to hear and live by. Uh, and understand that, that no matter how we dork things up or what kind of difficulty we may be going through, the ups and the downs of the depression that occasionally hits us, uh, you know, whether, you know, no matter how hard we try, there's always going to be something that's going to shove us over. And um, and we just praise you, Father, for being as loving, according to your loving kindness, as the scripture says, uh, as you are. And and incredibly, unbelievably merciful and forgiving and full of incredible grace and always willing to take us back. Father, I praise you for every single person that has ever taken the time to, to write me and let me know that uh, my sharing of challenges and trials and tribulations and things, my, my discoveries and my walk have uh have helped them um because that's the whole reason I, I i i even bothered to do this as you know father and of course that because i love you and i want to serve you but it, it, it but father i just pray in the name of jesus that any person out there that needs additional help um we just had had some people that have you know serious uh health conditions and such and were able to uh fortunately because of the blessing of uh some of the guests that we've had on recently i was able to uh, you know, use the power of the body of Christ to um, move people around and get and introduce them so that they can start their healing journey. I thank you for that. I praise your holy name for that. Father, I thank you for uh, continuing to keep us on the edge of our seats. I've been saying that for a really long time. Uh, it is painfully slow for many of us, uh, and I do mean painfully, painfully slow, emotionally draining and exhaustingly slow uh, but we do praise you lord because we want to get as many people on the boat as we possibly can we know that your mercy your your heart is with those who are still lost 
even in the midst of all of the warnings, even in the midst of all of the things that have happened across the world, they're still lost uh, for whatever reason. And um, we praise you for the opportunities that you have given us through uh, impossible circumstances, even even uh, impossible um videos from movies and uh, TV series that have happened, you know, many, many, many years ago. Uh, They become uh, fantastic witnessing tools. And we just pray in Jesus name that you will give us in place right in front of us uh, so that we can stand on that holy ground, which is your holy ground, Father, and maybe present something to somebody, even even with just just kind of a a tongue in cheek sort of an attitude about it to, to awaken them so that we don't push them into a position where they have to go into a state of denial. Um, and we just praise you for all these opportunities, Father. We praise you for uh, helping to, helping us to see it is slow, it is hard, it is challenging, it is extremely difficult for those of us who have been awake as long as we have been. Uh, but we worship you, we love you, we thank you for every uh, every bit of mercy that you have given us, the the abundant grace, Father. We just we praise you for that incredible manifold and abundant grace that you have poured out onto each of our lives, that even when we do go through difficult times, uh, whatever they may be, uh, that you are there right there with us and lifting us up and carrying us through. And we praise your holy name and we thank you, Father, because we can't do it without you. And when we hurt you and when we sin and when we do things that we should not do, Father, I, you know, it, it's it's because this world is overcoming us sometimes, and it, it's it, you know, and you know that we're we're our hearts hurt deeply. We truly have godly sorrow when we make mistakes, but we're human. We do make the mistakes, and we praise you, Father, for remembering that we are from dust. Psalm 103, uh, verse 11. Praise your name. And now to Him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of Your glory with exceeding joy. And to You, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. I told you to sing, watch and pray. For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you home It's time for you to look around The signs I gave were coming down Don't be called to sleep and blind You don't want to be left Come and be home. 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 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was having a conversation with Kirk Martin, I believe it was yesterday, but I can't remember. I don't know. Everything blurs together. And but anyway, some uh, and uh, we were we were we were I don't know. It's analyzing, analyzing the sociological attributes uh, of being who we are. And you might say, well, who are you? Well, one could weakly argue that we're all part of the body of Jesus Christ and that would the reason why I say weakly argue that is because we have come to that time in the scripture when it says there will come a time, you know, it's the itchy ears doctrine. Uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and pull it up. Just, you know, we've all heard it, but you know, it's still important to reread it over and over and over and over again. Uh, I don't, I think I get something new from it every single time, but, um, I, you know, I, I had pointed out to Brother Kirk, I said, you know, Kirk, we, we, we're, we're in a desperately bad situation right now. But I know I think the vast majority of those who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior don't really get it. Um, uh, it you know, they're, they, they're at whatever level they are of understanding. They, they may, you know, they, they, there's so many levels, hundreds of levels, hundreds of levels of understanding. And, you know, I've had conversations with people who still absolutely adore their churchianity. Unfortunately, they're going to once saved, always saved Christian churches that have, you know, American flags all over the places. And, and they, they, they really just don't understand what's going on. Uh, but that's okay. At least they know a little bit. They know that, you know, they maybe at least after years of discussions and such, they've come maybe to the conclusion or a small teeny percentage of them maybe are aware that the alien thing is, you know, fallen angelic beings. So aliens equals bad. I mean, you know, even though that really doesn't capture the entire dynamic of the universe and an unlimited number of uh, trillions of life forms, a smorgasbord of life forms over, you know, what, how many trillions of galaxies? You know, multiple universes. I mean, this is huge. But you know, sometimes you just can't go. You can't go to that level of discussion. You can't share that information. You can't have those conversations. It's better just to let them play in the playpen of their intellectual capacity. If they are able to accept that, uh, you know, alien equals fallen angel equals you know bad, then good enough. You know, there's this concept out there known as good enough, praise God. And trying to take it to the next level really isn't going to bury any any fruit, really. Um, now, for those of us who are absolutely fascinated by how awesome God is, and for those of us who are absolutely motivated and incredibly enchanted and uh, gushingly in love with our Father when we realize how vast all of this creation is and how big uh, living you know, and, and ruling and reigning with Jesus over all of creation is ultimately going to be throughout eternity, when we are able to equate that with the, the humongousness of this blessing of our existence and everything that we're going through, uh, you know, that, then we have a whole different perspective. Our cosmology is all God. We see things from a completely different perspective. You can't have that conversation with the people in the church, even if they have come to the conclusion or, you know, by some miracle uh, that, that you know, alien equals bad equals, you know, fallen angelic being or whatever the case is. As a miracle, they came that far. So praise Jesus. Jesus for that and just leave them alone. 
Now, what's fascinating is when we were having this conversation, and I know there's people out there that can totally relate to this. I've had this conversation with a lot of different people, but maybe not to the magnitude that I'm, that I'm sharing right now after the conversation I had with Kirk. But what, I, what had really hit me, and I think I woke up with remnants of it in my spirit or my soul or my mind or whatever, uh, because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I was kind of depressed uh, and uh, not kind of. I was miserable. Uh, it, it eventually passed uh, once I got to around the one o'clock uh, p.m. hour uh, and, and I was uh, feeling a lot better after some time. But but anyway, so one of the things that we were talking about and I know that, you know, the, the, the listeners of the program have been, you know, and again, you know, it has to do with the times that we live in right now. And uh, one of those things is this, think about this, imagine this. Now, if you don't know your Bible really well, then you're just going to have to take my word for it. If you don't want to take my word for it, then you have, to, you have to stay on the rung of the ladder that you're on. You can put some more glue on the bottom of your sneakers, and you can stay right where you are in your comfort zone. And that's fine. And, you know, but, but for some of us, sitting on rung number two of a hundred rung ladder is not okay. Okay. We want to learn. We are hungry for the mysteries of the Bible. We want, we're hungry for God. We were hungry to understand how huge this all is and, and, and the amazingness of, of, of our existence. Okay. That, 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 you know, but for a lot of people that fries their mind, it, it's like, where, well, show me that in the Bible. Well, I'm like, you know, then you have to say, well, everything that's in the Bible is true, but not everything that's true is in the Bible. And of course that takes them back and you might take them a week before they can even digest that little tidbit. So it is a very, we live in an exceedingly challenging time and it is unlike any other time that Christianity has ever lived. All right, let me go ahead and I'm going to elucidate. I'm going to expand on this concept further because it's really kind of traumatic, traumatic. Now, if you are okay with being a part of churchianity and sitting in a, you know, in a place where, and you know that once saved, always saved is not true, but you know that's what the preacher thinks, and you know that's what the vast majority of the people in the church think, but you're okay with it. You're okay with the fellowship. You, you get your little Jesus hugs on your Sunday and your Wednesday nights, and you get to sing some songs and, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and you're okay with that. That's okay for you. Nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing at all wrong with that. All right. But a lot of us, we're beyond that point. Um, and, and so what happens is deep, our hearts are horribly troubled. We are so desperately hungry to help people get out of the rut that they're in, the rut of ignorance. This rut that endangers them. They do not realize what is coming their way and how fast it is heading directly at them. They don't understand that there's a barley harvest, a wheat harvest, and a grape harvest. They have no idea what the three days of darkness was. And if it bit them in the hiney they still wouldn't know. Uh, they, 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 there's nothing. They have no idea. And they're also very, very, very gullible and susceptible to hearing a YouTube video or whatever the case is and either A, debunking it because they don't understand it and it makes them feel uncomfortable, or B, believing every little bitty thing that they, they hear, which, of course, is equally as dangerous as the ignorance. So you're either reprehensibly ignorant or you're reprehensibly gullible. And both of those are very dangerous places to be nowadays. We are in some really dangerous times. I mean, as far as the Christian walk is concerned. And you might say, well, what's, show, help me out with the scripture a little bit. And I will. I will right now. Okay, so 
you have, and this is just one of so many places that I could go to. I could say, turn with me to, you know, Acts, you know, chapter 2, verse, you know, 17 or 21 or whatever. You know, turn with me to this. And by the time I got everybody to turn in their Bible with me to every place that I needed to show them something, the show would be over. You know, so unfortunately, we just can't run it that way. All right. And you're just going to have to do either A, your own homework or B, believe me. And if you don't want to believe me, just again, put more flypaper on the bottom of your sneakers and be happy on rung number two of a hundred rung ladder. And that's fine. Okay. Now, now, all that being said, there is a clear distinction, a very, very, very clear distinction in the Holy Bible, particularly now I'm, I, I focus 99 I'd say now nah, 90% of my focus is the New Testament. Uh, the Lord takes me to the Old Testament when he wants to show me the correlation and the and the and how the harmony of everything is. Okay, so I I get plenty of that, but I focus my specialization is in the New Covenant. After all, you can get the Old Covenant as right as right can be, but if you don't get the new covenant right, you might end up in hellfire. Simple as that. Got to get your priorities in order. Now, anyway, um, uh, so you have these special places in the scripture where the author of the epistle or whatnot, whoever it may be, whether it's Paul or Peter, whoever, they will say, Something like in the case of Second Timothy four, um, uh, uh, verse three, where it says, "For the time will come." Okay, for the time will come. All right, you can stop right there because that makes my entire point. The point is that there are a noteworthy number of places in the New Testament where the author of the epistle warns us that there is a time far into the future. Now, the person may not say far into the future, but we already know that that's a fact because we are far into the future. Okay, so it's not just a matter of when the apostle Paul, in this case, uh, uttered the words or when the scribe through the power of the Holy Spirit penned it to paper, that's kind of, you're still going back almost 2,000 years. So when you see the words, there will come a time, by the way, in Acts 2, 17 through 21, there's another reference, okay, that is very similar in its, in, in the way it's worded, there will come a time. I'm not going to jump over to that. You can go read it yourself. All right. But the point I'm trying to make here is that time is now, and it's much more dramatically different than any of us could. I don't think anybody imagined it, and I can certainly tell you for sure that churchianity has no clue. Now, they may, be, they may point to this, but they will not understand the magnitude of the impact of the sociological uh, challenge associated with those of us who are trying to walk the walk. Because if you're walking around in a daze and you basically are relatively ignorant about a lot of, of the scripture and the way that you're supposed to be behaving, the gravity of how you are to behave, the fact that you're supposed to be in a continuous state of self-examination and repentance and confession, you've got to confess, got to speak it forth, got to, you know, it, it's a continuous thing. And, and most of these people have no idea about any of this stuff. 
how they miss all this stuff, I don't understand. But it did take, take it did take the Lord a long time to show me the things, and I did have to take a boy a lot of awful, horrible beatings in order to be brought to where you know you hear that thing all the time from missionaries and people that are, that are you know in different preaching and teaching capacities, and they say things like, "Well, God has got to break you down until He can build you back up again," and that is a very difficult journey, and that's an understatement on a magnitude I cannot express. Now, that being said, when it says things like, for there will come a time that, you know, they will not endure sound doctrine, and according to their own desires, LGBT, LMNOP would be an example, or whatever, uh, once saved, always saved, their own desires, they want to believe that when their kids, you know, 20 years ago went up to the altar, that that's all they needed to do, and they're going to be in heaven. And that's their, that according to their own desires, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. They'll take the negative battery off the terminal. They won't talk about hell. They won't talk about saying they won't talk about demonic possession. They won't talk about any of the things that they ought to be talking about because it says in Mark 16, 16, that if you are a believer, you will cast out devils. You will lay hands on the sick and you will recover, but they're not doing that. Whatever. Anyway, so my, why am I talking about this particular subject, and how does that weave into the point about how unique and vastly troubling and difficult our journey is? So much more so difficult. I would say if, if I was just going to just off the cuff, just right off the cuff, just come up with some numbers, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the absolute most difficult, the people in churchianity that at least at least have some clue that something's out of order and we are to some degree or another in the end times period right now and you know and and maybe we'll give them we'll give them the um aliens are bad uh fallen angel thing too okay let's they would be probably a 3 on that scale of 1 to 10 in difficulty because they don't understand the rest of the stuff those of us who listen to this program and understand the things that we understand are at a minimum of a 10. But when we're going through difficult emotional times and swings, uh, we're actually more like at a 12. Now, um, of a difficulty, let's call it a difficulty quotient, a challenge quotient, a depression quotient, a I can't take it anymore quotient, an exhaustion quotient. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But it includes all of those emotions. And you might say to yourself, why is that? And why is it that we are in such a different place than everyone else? Well, I'll tell you. First and foremost, when you look at all of the guidance and admonishments and commandments that are associated with reading of the New Testament, what you see is this paradigm um, it's kind of like a fellowship paradigm where, and I could say, you know, weep with those who weep and cry, you know, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I can just give you so many examples. I mean, there's, if you're not looking for it, that paradigm of fellowship and how we're supposed to treat one another, love one another, hug one another, uh, you know, all the things that we're supposed to do in a loving, kind and fellowship manner with one another as part of the body of Christ. That exhortation is woven through the words of the New Testament, I mean, like crazy. 
unbelievable. And if you just happen to be a fan of history and you, you're a good reader, you may have read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You may have read the Pilgrim Church. You may have read some other historical writings like uh, the Heretic Church, uh, which which was the word her- heretic wasn't really referring to heretics. It was just that, that, that at that time they were considered to be heretics because, you know, the Roman Catholic Church was the real heresy. But anyway... You know, they turn everything upside down. But when you read the history of the early church and you equate it with the the admonishments, the exhortations and and the various guidance that were given in our scripture, the one thing that is as a repeating dynamic is our desperate need for fellowship. Our desperate need for having someone that understands us around us, for having someone that that loves us in Christ, wants to hear how we feel about things, wants to hear our concerns so that we can share our ideas with them. This, by the way, is captured in James uh, 5.16. We talked about that on the show not too long ago. Um, That that desperately important need to be understood uh, to be able to share with one another our our challenges and the things that we're going through that are awful and and have that other person be able to understand them or, or give us some really good news and help us to be able to work our way through that whatever it is we're going through okay so that idea of family that idea of you know the, the bogomil the the, the Polisians, the early church, and how they would set up like you know their own little communities. They would literally leave the the cities, the towns. They do like the effort of cloisters in Pennsylvania. They do like the Amish do and stuff even today. Uh, and they would form communities and they would hang out with one another. They would be holy, which is what holiness means, really, is to separate yourself in a manner that, that, that satisfies our Father and, and differentiates our, us from the rest of them. And we only go out to deal with the unbelievers for the sake of, you know, leading them to Jesus. But we don't hang out with them. You know what I mean? We hang out in the community. We hang out in with the rest of the Bogomils in the village that we built together with the moms and the dads and the children and everybody loving Jesus. And, and you know, and I'm not saying that 100 percent of every one of these groups that, that built their own, um, you know, towns and everything in the early church period uh, had 1000 percent agreement on every single thing that was in the Bible. That would be silly. However, they didn't get their bees in a bonnet and want to beat each other up and rip each other's hair off and call each other names and all the kind of weird, creepy, demonic things that we have happening today. If I had a dime for every single time somebody had sent me a text message or an email about some prayer group they joined on Facebook or some prayer group they joined on YouTube or whatever, where they had little clicks of power behind the scenes, calling each other names and rebuking each other and telling each other you have to get in line and you're not a proper Christian and just just rebuking and ripping each other to shreds. And that's exactly what's happening. I've experienced it personally. Uh, you know, it was 10 years ago, uh, but uh, and it's even worse today. 
and I've had my, you know, uh, uh, I've I've been rebuked and and uh, you know, been torn to shreds verbally by my own family over certain things. The doggone as simplest little things. If they had opened their eyes just once, they'd have seen it themselves. But they're not. They're living. They're walking around in a place of oblivion. I had a believer today just tell me, uh, I can't deal with all of that. I just can't deal with it. If I have, if I know all the stuff that you're talking about right now, I will not be able to function. And you know what? I totally relate to that. I really, I am, I, I, I'm like a, I, 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 it's more than relating. It's way more than relating. I, I live it. It is my life. Now, um, and the reason I bring that up is because my point is simply this. There's nothing simple about it, but I'm going to use that term. All of our instruction as Christians, all of our biblical instruction, how we are supposed to endure the days that we're in right now and do it with a little bit more ease and a lot less difficulty, a lot less challenge, a lot less depression, a lot less exhaustion, a lot less of all the other ugly that comes along with it. All that instruction in the Holy Bible is irrelevant to us because we can't do it. We cannot fellowship at the level that is necessary for us to be able to coach, counsel, exhort, help people through things. Because when, we, when we're having – okay, so, so again, just to drive this point home – you go to James 5.16, it says, confess your trespasses to one another. That's not what that means. It's not what that means. We covered this on a prior show. What it means is to confess the challenges, the trials, the things that you, so that you can heal, it, 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 you, 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 so that you know how to pray for the person, so that you, it, oh, hey, I've gone through that. I understand how you're feeling. The problem is we can't get together with any other believers and share with them why we're distressed. We can't say to them, we are troubled because millions are going to die from autoimmune disease because they took the vaccine. Because probably the three quarters of the people that we're looking at when we see it have already had their third or second or third booster. See, and that's just one of bazillions of examples. I mean, look at the everything that everything, pestilence, famine, planet X, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, signs in the sun and the moon, stars, seas roaring, uh, aliens all over the Bible, the entire book of Isaiah 13, the day of the Lord, the, 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 the three days of darkness, the great earthquake, the meteor that's coming to hit the earth at any time. We don't even know. I mean, we, well, we. we strongly believe i i mean you know in the order of the seals because they are breaking out in order which is what i would expect if god is going to put first seal second seal third seal fourth seal fifth there's a reason for the numbers hallelujah thank you jesus he's not trying to trick us praise god but when you realize that everything 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 we were told to take advantage of as part of the body of christ it isn't for us We can't do it. We don't have a choice. And that's with our own spouses. That's with our own family. That's why Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse, you know, that mother will come against, you know, 
mother-in-law and all and children against their parents and all that kind of stuff. The, we're in those days. We're stuck on an island. I've made jokes about you know us being part you know of, of the island of misfit toys, and then I said now now King Moon Racer has kicked us off the island, and we're floating around on a chunk of ice somewhere in the North Atlantic. And you know what? It, it's 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 really 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 hard. It's super duper challenging because we have no way. We're spread out all over the place, and we don't have anybody that we can confide in. Really, when it comes right down to it, when this stuff gets to you, now if it doesn't get to you, you're not paying attention, or you or you don't have the love of Christ in your heart, which would be worse. All right, better better not pay attention than not have the love of Christ in your heart. And there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. Okay, ignorance is bliss, and there's an awful lot of happy Christians out there. All right, now all that being said, that's fine. But for those of us who have taken not just a red pill, but down the whole bottle of red pills. That's a real problem because when you're looking at the things, when you're seeing the news reports, when you're seeing those headlines coming across, when you're seeing that, that, that CNN is even around about admitting that there's some indication that there's immuno, immune system issues associated with the vaccine, but of course they changed the word immune to some other word, but you can read between the lines. More and more people are waking up. People are waking up. But only to a little bit, to a little degree. When you think about all of the children that were murdered and the police that were obviously being satanically instructed not to enter into the, in, in, into the school to do anything about it. If that doesn't bring tears to your eyes and grief, unhelpable, you cannot even stop the tears from coming down your eyes. I bawled like a baby when I saw that report go across my, my phone. And that's only one one hundredth of the evil things that we have to deal with right now because we're awake. And don't anybody tell me that that is anything but an exceedingly difficult, very dark challenge to have to deal with during this time because we don't have anybody to share with about it. We, don't, we can't sit down and have a conversation. We can't console one another. And that is exactly what being part of the body of Jesus Christ is. It's loving one another, crying when others cry. Uh, it's all that. That's what it's about. And we have come past that day. There will come a time. But what's worse is, when you down the whole bottle of red pills, now you're on the 75th or 85th rung of the ladder, and it's 10 times worse, maybe even 100 times worse. So if you go through mood swings and challenges, and yes, I have gone off on the CBTs, you know, a, a renewing of your mind and, you know, thinking positive and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes, you know, it's amazing, no matter how good you get at redirecting your thoughts to posit positive thinking, the darkness has a way of getting so much more dark than it was three weeks earlier that it trips across your squelch. I don't know if you know anything about radios, but it, you set the little squelch control so you don't get the static in the background, and it's just people talking. But if you break the squelch, then you you know now the, it, it makes noise. You hear it. Well, that's kind of like a, an analogy for for our situation because you no matter how much you know, no matter how stable you finally think you've gotten yourself, 
through practice, through prayer, through praise, through redirecting your, 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 your stinking thinking, all right, all the things that you, you've been working on to be better, that squelch is going to get broken at some point. Something We're in such a dark, 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 filthy, stinking, cesspool, dark world right now. And I used to use those terms to describe where we were 10 years ago. Now look where we are. So I was having that conversation. I've had it with a couple of different people. I won't mention all their names, but um, and they're all they were all 100 percent. They're like, yep, you nailed it. You nailed it. Hallelujah. And it's true. It really is true. And it it puts us in a crummy, crummy place. It really does. I mean, don't get me wrong. The one side effect that I have noticed, at least in my life, is that I have only one place I can go. Once in a while, I can get lucky and strike up a conversation with somebody over an instant messenger and, you know, sure, a little bit. But people are busy. They got to deal with stuff. They got animals to feed. They got, you know, they're moving. They're doing this. They're doing that or whatever the case is. They got jobs to go to, whatever. You know, there's always a, a, some kind of noteworthy limit as to how much you're going to ever going to be able to fellowship with anybody, even, you know. But once in a while, you get a little bit of that. But it's rare. So the what the what it does force you to do, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, for me, thank you, Jesus, Hallelujah, I have that. Is to just close my eyes and have a heart-to-heart conversation with the, our Father and Jesus, and that's the only time that I can actually get peace. Because otherwise, I'm utterly overwhelmed with all of the negativity, and it's broken to squelch. It's way past the squelch break. I mean, and and, and you're sitting there, you know, just like I can't and, – and then you're facing all this stuff at work and all the other things you got to deal with and blah, 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 blah. And you, you, you can't walk, you can't sit down and have a dinner with a half a dozen fellow believers and have a reasonable conversation about all the ugly that's going on in the world, sharing notes, praying for one another, because you're going to upset five of the six people at the table. We are it's, – it's worse than floating around on a little piece of ice getting kicked off of uh, uh, you know, the Island of Misfit Toys by King Moonraiser. It's worse than that. Matter of fact, I, I can't even think of an, an, an analogy that, that aligns to it, and this has hit me recently – in a in a much like you know before it was hitting me on a scale of one one to ten it was hitting me around an eight now it's hitting me around a twenty one because of how dark and things are and are getting darker 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 all the time all people you know are while while we're all being deceived by the sleight of hand okay but anyway um I, and uh, I just wanted to console you that you are not alone I wanted to share with you that. In my situation, which is as about as desperate as it can get as far as uh, uh, um, being around another believer and sharing things, um, you know, and, and, you know, living by myself, two dogs, that kind of thing, nobody to talk to, that kind of stuff. That, that's, it's, it, I'm, in a, I'm, a, I'm absolutely the absolutely bar none the worst case scenario. I've used the analogy saying that I'm, you know, like Paul would say, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Well, I, I, I say I'm, a, I'm in a supermax. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. 
And, and But then when you combine that with the magnitude of the ugly, the cesspool, the stench, the LGBT all over the place, inside the churches, the children being tortured with horrible things that they should never be subject to. And I could just go on and on and on and on and on. Now, the one good thing about all this is, boy, oh, boy, folks, are we getting close. Oh, boy, oh, boy, are we getting close. But we still need to have the things in Second Thessalonians 2 happen. The revealing of the Antichrist in such a manner that the vast majority of Christians, not all, but a good number of them, will say, holy moly, that's the Antichrist. Because God didn't write that as some sort of top, top secret thing that the vast majority of the body of Christ w- wouldn't figure out. He put that in the Bible for a reason. Paul told the Th- Thessalonican church th- that information to get them to stop thinking Jesus was going to come and rapture them off the earth any second now. That's why it says the gathering together unto him. There's only one way that Jesus can gather anybody together to him, and that's through the rapture. It isn't because he beams himself down to Mount Hermon and grabs a 50-watt megaphone and says, Hey, everybody, come here, because it won't work. The laws of physics that God created would prevent it. Now, all that being said, I did want to share that with you, praise God. Now, um, also... Real quick, and I want to share one more thing with you. Uh, hallelujah. And then jump into the news. Um, trying to watch the time. I'm bad at that, of course. Uh, but, kids, I wanted to give you guys. Come on. You know, you, you've been. Yeah. See, I know it. I know it. You felt neglected lately, haven't you? And no ice cream. No funny jokes. I know. I know. Well, hang in there, because here you go. Kids, why should you knock on a refrigerator? Before opening it, think hard, so you don't catch the salad dressing. <laughs> you know, salad dressing, dressing salad. Hi, okay, uh, I know, I, I, I know, begrudgingly, but nevertheless, you gave me a yay. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. Kids, why did the witches team lose the baseball game? Why did the witches team lose the baseball game? Because their bats flew away. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't because demons were cast out on them. You know, the bats. The bats. Okay, kids, one more. How can you tell if a vampire is sick? By how much he is coughing. Get it? Yeah, I know. We had a witch one, and then we had, yeah, I, I deserve that. You don't like the vampires and the witches very much, do you? Yeah, they're, they're naughty. You don't want anything to do with that. None of those creepy, weird, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. All right. I'm going to play this little thing as a teaser. Here you go. All right. And in a second, you're going to know why. Now, I don't mean this to toot my horn, but sometimes I get frustrated because I realize that people are people, you know, and I try, I pour my heart out. I tried so hard to get information out to people to help them. But I also know, take note, uh, 
ever so abundantly take note. I don't know how to I don't know how to put it in words. Um, I take note that a lot of the things that I try to warn people about or tell them about get overshadowed by drama. Um, you know, if somebody goes on a talk show or a podcast and it's Dr. You know, Sally Frankenfurter or whatever, and she's a popular Christian and she's telling everybody that they're going to press a red button and 16 million people are going to drop dead in July, well, then, you know, it doesn't matter what I say on the show because everybody's going to gravitate towards whatever the greatest, scariest, you know, uh, podcast is they can find. And that's what they're going to end up believing. And it's disheartening. It's disheartening. But I need to not take it personally, and so I try not to. All right, but that's okay. Um, but I want to share something with you that just got called to my attention. Thank you, Brother Scott. I'm shout out to you. God bless you for sending these things to me. Um, and I'm going to play this for you. Now, hold on a second. Let me see if I have it here. And I do. I have it queued up. Let me double check my soundboard. I want to make sure that you do. Okay, good. That's at full volume. Now, listen to this. This is from The X-Files Season 10, and it aired in 2016, okay? So did you write that down? Season 10, and it aired in 2016, okay? All right, very good. I'm going to play you the audio right now, and then we're going to talk just a little bit more about it. All right, here we go. I've been making claims. Claims about what? You and everyone you know has a piece of DNA in your genome. Put there without your knowing it. Pushing by whom? Well, that's the question of the day. This is an internet lunatic. You're not saying you believe him. Hold on, Agent Einstein. You're talking to a scientist. Uh, forgive me, Assistant Director. It may sound insensitive, but the suggestion is pure science fiction. What I'm saying, Agent Einstein, is that the facts that I understand them cannot be discounted out of hand. No one has the right or the ability to tamper with your DNA. Unless we gave them that ability. You say they're tampering with our DNA, that they're able to shut down our immune system by the addition of something to our DNA. Yes, but I don't know how exactly. Or how it's being triggered. I don't know that either. So why it's happening now? What can we possibly do? We need to act quickly. You were right about that. Well, I was wrong about the science. I was wrong about what's causing it. Dead wrong, in fact. It's, but it's clearly a widespread failure of our immune system. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox vaccine. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. We have to figure this out. What's wrong with the science? Okay. The Spartan virus removes the adenosine deaminase gene from your DNA. It removes the ADA gene and your immune system will simply vanish. Yeah, but I'm not getting sick. It's only a matter of time. Okay. So how does it work? How does the virus remove the ADA gene? A process called CRISPR-Cas9. RNA and a protein cutting genes at exact location. Exactly, but in this instance, used as a weapon. The ultimate weapon. The ability to depopulate the planet. To kill everyone but the chosen by tampering with their DNA. All right, so I could go on and play the whole clip, but I'm not going to do the whole clip. I mean, it, it just you've heard what you needed to hear. Aired in 2016. It's exactly what's happening right now. Now, I've had somebody, somebody came to me and they were like, okay, why is it that St. 
you know, the, the evil ones, we'll just call them the evil ones. Why is it that they always do this and put it in TV shows and movies and things? Now, so one of the concepts is known as, uh, it's, a, it's a form of satanic worship. It's known as lesser magic. And it was adopted, you know, I don't know all of the details and, and, and uh, you know, who, who did what when, where, why, how, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. However, I know that the Druids used to do that. It was a part of the whole trick-or-treat ritual. But basically, they signal through their satanic symbolism what it is they're going to do to you before they do it. Now, you might say, well, they're just getting their satanic demonic jollies out of it or whatever. I, at the end of the day, I don't care. But that concept of them hiding stuff in front of you and putting it in TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, there is a satanic principle uh, known as lesser magic, whatever. But that I really think it's much deeper than that. But it took me a long time before it hit me, uh, and I'm not going to get into the, the journey, but I will say this. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, uses these things for multiple, two, two really well-known, you know, easy-to-deduce purposes. Easy-to-deduce purpose number one is we can use it as a witnessing tool, if you can get somebody to listen to it. Now, granted, if they don't think there's anything wrong with the, or the, uh, the uh, vaccine at all, then it's going to fall on deaf ears. So there will be a lost cause. Um, but the second reason is also it's a prophetic action on our Heavenly Father's part to warn his children of what is coming. So many of us in our journey, uh, as we've been you know, gobbling down the red pills as fast as we possibly could, um, uh, ha- have come to a place where when we watch movies, science fiction, things like that, that may have some merit in the plot line uh, with the end times and the days that we're living in right now, we may be paying a much, much closer, much, much closer attention to what's going on because it could be prophetic. It could be a warning to us. It could be God trying to let us know that something is coming. Anybody who remembered this particular uh, show airing in 2016 and the conversation that took place would have had an aha moment like, whoa, whoa, no way I'm going anywhere near that. You see what I'm saying? Then that would be a prophetic awakening for that individual. However, just on account of, I'm going to play something. This is Dr. James Lyons-Weller from the Pennsylvania Medical Freedom Press Conference, and it was aired back in December of 2020. Think about how long ago that was. Okay? I put this up immediately, literally within probably less than 60 minutes after hearing it because I knew it nailed it. All right? Hopefully. uh, third expert that uh, traveled from... Not New York or Michigan, but right here from the Pittsburgh area here in Pennsylvania, and has been with us before. We appreciate him coming back to the Capitol today to share his expertise. Dr. Lyons Weiler is a research scientist, author, and president and CEO of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge. Thank you, doctor, for coming. Thank you. Representative Metcalf, I want to thank the media for being here, and thank everyone online for sharing this across all social platforms. Uh, I'm an objective research scientist, and I have two main points that I want to drive home. The first one is the number 
I want you to remember that number and write it down. It's a very, very important number to you if you're an American citizen. The second thing that, and I'll get to that in a minute, the second thing that I want to say is I'm not here in support of any particular bill. I run a not-for-profit, and I can't say yay or nay on my opinion. What my personal opinion is is muted, and I don't mind that, but I can condemn the politicization of your health, the politicization and the commoditization of the American citizen's health, Pennsylvania citizen's health, is not a commodity. It is neither a monetary commodity, nor is it a political commodity. And shame on you if you have changed your position or held on to a position in the light of evidence from data from studies that tell you that your position is wrong simply because you disagree with President Trump. Shame on you. You're hurting people. You're hurting society. You're destroying businesses. Shame on you. Now that I got that out, I can talk about some science. Okay. Historically, coronaviruses, uh, vaccines for coronaviruses have had a terrible safety record. Uh, there is a condition known as disease enhancement due to pathogenic priming. And this was discovered in vaccinated animals in past vaccine safety studies when they did conduct vaccine safety studies on animals on coronavirus vaccines where vaccinated animals got more serious disease after being vaccinated and then when they acquired an infection from the wild type vaccine, more of animals got serious infections, serious conditions, and more animals died. In my peer-reviewed research paid for the citizens of the United States of America through donations to IPAC, prior to the development of any COVID vaccines, I found that all but one of the proteins in the SARS-CoV-2 virus have what we call unsafe epitopes. Right? which are parts of proteins that are capable of causing immune conditions, autoimmune conditions, and immune responses against proteins in our own body. Okay. The whole thing is absolutely beautiful. The whole, his whole 15-minute uh, dissertation on the problems, but I just wanted to bring you to the key point. This is, this is December of 2020, I put this up on the web immediately after hearing it because I knew it was correct. While everybody else was out there having podcasts about red buttons that are going to be pressed and millions of people dropping dead, I knew it was going to be it was going to affect the autoimmune system of people, uh, and and they were going to die over time. It's a form of uh, eugenics, and in order for them to pull it off, they have to have what's known as plausible deniability. Now, he goes on and he rebukes uh, alternative treatments. You know, he doesn't call them out by name. He doesn't talk about hydroxychloroquine and all that. He doesn't call them by name, but he, just talk, he, he goes through a whole big, long thing, and he's, he nails it. Absolutely hits the ball out of the park. Babe Ruth is staring at that ball going, wow, that guy. I've had this up on the website since December 22 of 2020. And now, right now, here we are, what? Two years later, almost, and people are just now beginning to wake up to some of these things. And I'm sitting here going, am I talking? Is this mic on? Is this mic on? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's enough to make you just want to pull your hair out, but I don't have enough extra hair to pull, so I just have to deal with it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, um, so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, you heard it on the X-Files 2016. You understand 
what the deal is. It's eugenics. It's it's killing off mankind. Look, if there's some other weird, creepy stuff going on with it and strange hydro creatures and all that other, fine. But, you know, you know, you really got to understand threat management. You really do. You got to understand what is the biggest threat and what is it we are seeing happening all around us. People dying like crazy. As a matter of fact, I just read an article, uh, I think it was two days ago, that said statistically we are now, our current morbidity rate uh, is now 21% higher this year. This is just general morbidity. There are 21% more people dying this year than the same time last year. And I think it's reasonable to believe that it's going to increase over time. But um, I did want to share this with you because from a threat management standpoint, who knows what that hydro creature is going to turn into. But at the end of the day, the big threat is survival. Because you can't get the divine healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ to heal you if you're dead. But people like, you know, they're like, wow, there's a hydro creature in there. So they're going to run around and talk about the hydro creature. Never mind. Their mom's going to drop dead any any minute now. So anyway, uh, but I did want to share this with you because, uh, especially because <clears throat> of the uh, uh, X-Files um, season 10 uh, episode where they're actually talking about it. I mean, it, it was a vaccine. And the vaccine had, you know, the necessary proteins to alter the DNA, which caused an autoimmune disorder. And even the woman questioning said, well, I don't there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not dying right now. And she she responds back. It's not going to happen right away. And that's exactly what we are all seeing right now. Unfortunately, it's a very, very sad thing. And what's worse is I see. Okay, I, I won't. I'm not going to go down that path because I have feelings about what I think ought to happen to Fauci, Gates, and, and these entities. But I'm astonished that I mean, I really wish our Heavenly Father would start shooting down some lightning bolts, real long, agonizingly painful lightning bolts, at, at precisely where they need to hit, which is which are these entities, these beings, these nakash, these shining lizard creature, shape shifting entities that are killing all people, our brothers and sisters in some cases. Praise God. So anyway, let's go ahead and move in through the news, and then we'll bring in Brother Lauren Peterson. Hallelujah. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. Praise God. More than 22 million in the Southwest are bracing for dangerous heat. So here we go again, just like we have every single year. Uh, You think this is going to lead to some brush fires? That would be an extremely 
good bet. All right, praise God. And we're talking about 106, 104, 111, 113, 110. Uh, These are high temperatures, and it is the beginning of another wave, you can believe it, of really horrible, uh, you know, what what was the term they came up with last year? Gigafires or something like that with the word giga in it. Yeah, because of how humongously huge they are and also because of how devastating and destructive they are. So they came up with a new term with the with with the root word of giga in it to express the magnitude of how horrible they are. Very apocalyptic. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. United States sees heightened extremist threat heading into the midterms. Why would they see that? They would see it because they're the ones who are going to cause it. Simple as that. We're being attacked. It's no different than 9-11. It's no different than any of these other things. And you might say, well, what about these, these shooters and all that kind of stuff? That's just mind control slaves. You don't think they're, they're you know, uh, Dabu 7, you know, have put out a thing. He's like, how come this particular military plane landed only moments before the shooter uh, at the, at the uh, at, you know, uh, started shooting and then took took back? And I'm like... The answer is pretty simple. It's mind control. When you understand how it works and the different technologies and the ways that they do it and the ways that they trigger these, it's mind control. Simple as that. And and they've been doing it for a long time. And why, so so you might say, well, what's up with them doing it so often? I mean, it does. It seems like every other day we have another you know first you know, sh- shooter deal or, or or a person driving a car into a whole bunch of people in a Mind control. They, the entities of darkness, the filth, the walking feces that we're surrounded by right now, have the ability to trigger these people that are under their control and can cause them to go and slaughter a bunch of people. This has been going on for decades, but they're turning up the intensity right now. They're making it happen more often. So when you get a report that says the United States sees heightened extremist threats heading into the midterm elections, let me tell you something. They're not, they're, they know because they're the ones who are going to cause it to happen. Period. And the story, it, 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 it's, it's unfortunate, but it is the quintessential core principle of the Hegelian dialectic. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Praise God. Wall Street Journal reports January 6th committee. Oh, gosh, if that's still around. Yes, it sure is. The January 6th committee to kick off a, uh, a series of televised hearings into the Capitol attack. Boy, if that ain't enough, I don't think there's enough pectate in the world to keep me from, you know, doing things that you would do when you don't have KO pectate. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Oh, boy. That's the suffering that the red pill swallowing people out there, fellow brothers and sisters who have had too many red pills, the suffering that we have to go through and the extreme uh, measures that we have to take to make sure that I can't even look at Fauci. I can't look at Fauci. I can't look at Gates. They're still talking about kicking off more uh, mask uh, stuff. It's uh, one second. They're going to turn on the mask with the monkey pockets and they're not going to do the mask. And they're going to do the mask and they're not going to do the mask. And they're going to do the mask. They're not going to do the mask. Then the CDC puts out a warning. Then the CDC takes it down. And it's all over the place. And I'm just like, shut up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it's like by the time the weekend comes, 
I'm, I, I have pretty much, I'm not 100% there yet, but I am maybe 97% sure that I'm going to dump my cable. I'm cutting the wire because there's no point. Why pay that money? I'll just take it around and turn. I'll funnel it back into my house or something, you know, just in case we're stuck here a little longer than I. But the way it's looking right now, folks, I don't think we're going to be here that long. I mean, we got things that have to happen. We got prophetic things that have to happen. We know that, okay? And but but we are getting really close. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right. Uh, new eruptive fissures are opening up at the Etna volcano in. Excuse me, in Italy. Now, you might say, oh, come on, Johnny, man. I mean, there's like a million more interesting things to talk about than that. The only reason why I wanted to bring this up at all is because of Acts 2.17. Blood, fire. That's, by the way, that's another one of those places in the Holy Bible that tells us that we are going to come upon a new time. Okay, so I'll just go to Acts, and by the way, this is an excerpt out of Joel 2. Acts 2.17, it says, listen how it starts out. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Okay? So once again, it, it, it says all this stuff that you see here that I'm about to talk about in this little passage of Scripture is going to happen in the future. In the future sometime. All right, praise God. Um, and and it even goes in here. It says, it says, I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath. Signs in the earth beneath. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. Okay, let's go back to the headline. Headline says, new eruptive fissures opening up at the Etna volcano in Italy. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And you're like, well, where's the blood? Let me tell you something. If you pay attention and if you go out and do a search right now uh, using whatever search engine you want, you're going to find somewhere on the earth uh, either some kind of a lake or water, body of water of some type that is blood red somewhere. That's been going on so profusely and frequently now for the last 10 years. It's almost like why bother even reporting on it? And people are all, you know, every well. We hypothesize this, and it may be a bloom of some sort of strange bacteria from planet Pop-Tart or whatever. No, it's simple stuff. When you have a brown dwarf, uh, 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 collapsed yellow dwarf, brown dwarf star, uh, you know, in your solar system, it's a, it's a gigantic supermagnet. Okay, you know, it, it is. It's a gigantamundus supermagnet. And if you get yourself a copy of the TV series, which is called Impact, not deep impact. It's just called impact. It, you're, you, the whole movie's about a brown dwarf that they could not see with their telescopes because it's minus 273 degrees Fahrenheit, or is it 47? I forget. But anyway, um, it, it requires uh, infrared optics. Which which coincides with the report that we had about the Vatican Bat Telescope and the Lucifer, uh, you know, uh, infrared optic that they put on that, and then wouldn't you know it would be the Vatican Bat that would suddenly discover the presence of another planet in our solar system. Oh my goodness, lions and tigers and bears! Oh my, what a surprise that is! Thanks, Captain Obvious. You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next headline up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Seven United States, seven of them, 
primaries and what do you need to know? Well, I will tell you, I'm not even going to read through these because I don't feel like getting depressed. I was depressed the first half of the day and it was and it sucked and it was clinical and I I needed to break free of it. I did. Thank you, Jesus. I prayed, prayed, prayed. And others did prayed for me. And uh, But I'm not going to read through it. You know why? Because it's, there are some Democrats that won. Uh, Gavin Newsom is still the governor of California. You know what I say? California, the people that live in California, they, they get what they deserve. And if you're still living there, if you're stuck there, that's one thing. But if you're living there voluntarily, I can't help you. It just, it's mind shattering. Anyway, I don't want to read through it because if I, if I, I expected when I read that article, when I started to read through the article, that it was just going to be Republican wins, Republican wins, Republican wins, Republican wins, landslide, Republican wins, landslide. That's not what I'm seeing. And that is not good news. That is not good news. Anyway, but you know what? Whatever. Where's the meteor? Where's the meteor? Oh, hallelujah. Kids, you want to see the meteor? All right. Listen, listen, kids. I got I got the Celestron, the Celestron Stargazers, 100 power, super light gathering, you know, uh, uh, binoculars and a tripod. And I want and all of you kids are officially visit or invited to come over to the Johnny house. Now, the only thing I ask is you got to help me lift my puppy dogs up the ladder so we can get on the top of the, the uh, up to the second uh, level. Uh, so we're able to see the tsunami heading our way. Is that is that cool, kids? Is that right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We also got to take the Smokey Joe grill up there, too, because we're going to be having hot dogs, hamburgers and all that kind of stuff. while we're, uh, you know, taking turns looking through the Celestrons and watching for the giant tsunami coming in from the, uh, well, from from the Miami location. Is that cool? You guys cool with that? All right. Awesome. It's going to be a really good rocking time. Either that or we make the barley harvest. That'd be even better, wouldn't it? Uh, that'd be like, oh, I know. Hallelujah. Let's just make the barley harvest. We can just skip that whole thing. All right. Next one up. Praise God. New York Church invites drag queens for Pentecost service. And then the nickname for that is worship is a drag. You heard what I said, right? Now, I could read. Four or five sentences here to introduce you to more information in regard to it. But then I would have a mess to clean up on my desk and probably short out my keyboard. So I'm not going to do it. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Charisma News. Pro baseball players choose faith in Christ instead of gay pride celebration. And I say, Hallelujah. And they got kinds of names and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it, it was the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And they were trying to get everybody to wear their little, you know, gay pride, this, that, and the other thing. And there were seven, I believe it was, uh, uh, players on the team that said, nothing doing. Get lost. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a lot more of that, folks. But anyway, hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up, Washington Free Beacon reports, abortion activist, firebomb, another pro-life office. Now, how much do you want to bet that it wasn't? Republican GOP right wing activists that did this. 
Think about it. The whole time we were going through Black Lives Matter, the whole time we were getting, uh, you know, essentially city by city by city firebombed uh, by all these uh, people under, you know, getting paid, these Satanists that were going by the, you know, BLM and, and, and uh, Antifa and all that kind of stuff. That, where were the Republicans? They were at home looking at their TV with, the, uh, like, what the are you? What the can you? What you gotta be kidding me? No, as a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet my left arm in a meat shredder that this was a false flag, and we're gonna see a whole lot more of them too. Yep. Highly paid people with bricks and Molotov cocktails doing all kinds of satanic things. No surprise to us, though. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Lawmaker to introduce bill criminalizing drag queen sex shows for kids. I'm almost afraid to follow that one. I will say this. It was definitely brought out as uh, to, it introduced legislation in the right state. The state of choice for this legislation to be introduced happens to be Florida. And if you're going to do something like that, this is the state to do it. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> there is no stopping the the uh, the the, uh, the government, uh, the whole government of the state of Florida, boy, is radically uh, right wing. Praise God, thank you, Jesus, and Christian, and uh, and they're not shy about it. And they they're they're really upsetting. I mean, they're going after Disney, uh, you know, just. Double barreled, you know. This is a this is an analogy, but double barreled shotgun kind of going after Disney. Uh, they, they're taking they're taking no prisoners, and I'm thinking this is great, this is awesome. At least one state out of fifty is doing something. Oh well. Next one up. Al Jazeera reports Russia, Turkey discuss grain export corridor from the Ukraine. Wait a minute, that can't be because after all, that would mean that Russia, you know the, the you know the, the the sanctions that that you know the entity that calls itself Biden through Obama, you know they can't we can't have their grain. No, no, people have to die. Babies have to die. People have to fall over dead. It has to result in deaths. While a dribbling poo-poo panty uh, dementia patient that's a shape-shifting reptilian with eyes of a viper is in the presidency. I just, how can we? Okay, well, anyway. Where's my valerian root? Hold on a second. I, I gotta, I gotta, hold on, I got to get a valerian root. There we go. Uh, time to take a nice big old thousand milligram of valerian root. And one of them fell on the ground. I hope my dog doesn't. Uh, there's no way. They, they, no, my dog won't eat it. All right. Hold on a second. You can only read so many of these reports without, I mean, mm -mm. yeah. Time for a valerian root. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. World Net Daily reports massive United States oil refinery on track to shut down amidst fuel shortages and record prices. No, you say. No, yes, I say. 
Uh, a key Texas petroleum refinery that produces more than 200,000 barrels of fuel per day is facing a premature shutdown that could increase pressure on domestic fuel supplies. That's because paying $140 to fill a 20-gallon tank isn't enough. It needs to be 250 If it's not shutting down the country and destroying the food supply, it's not good enough for Obama. Because his hatred for mankind goes beyond that of Satan. Well, it's, it's, it's on par with Satan. And at this point, I'm really not – I mean, I know he's loaded with demons, but I, I really think we're getting close, folks, to Second Thessalonians 2, to the T.D. Hale um, visions and dreams to come true. I think we're getting real close, folks. I don't know if we're even going to make it to 2024 at this point. I don't know. Be on guard, folks. Be on guard. I'm serious. I'm really, I don't know. I'm struggling with making it all the way to 2024 at this rate. But we'll have to wait and see. And what reason do we have to believe that Trump is anything other than a self-serving narcissist uh, that's pretending and playing evangelical Christianity to his own means? Particularly when we take a good look at those who are standing around him praying for him, supposedly, and their beliefs and their practices. Those are not exactly stellar Christians, if you get my drift. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Gas prices hit another new high. 13 states are at over $5 a gallon. And the one particular one I'm looking at here is $5.49. Alexa, what's 5.49 times 20? Let's see what she says. 5.49 times 20 is 10,980. Oh, okay. So it'd be 100. Oh, wow. That would be uh, 190. Dollars, it sounds like. All right. Anyway, praise God. Oh, another headline here. News analysis. Israel's gay pride parade reveals just how far the nation of Israel has strayed from its biblical foundations. More than 7,000 Israelis marched in the Jerusalem. You know, headquarters were our Heavenly Father. <laughs> right? Jerusalem parade, right? If there's any doubt in your mind why Israel and the United States of filth are the two most judged countries in the entire Holy Bible, if you're still guessing at that one, I think I'm a little surprised. Okay, next one up. Red alert, Russia and China planning simultaneous attack to eliminate the United States and occupy North America. And by the way, this is flying all over the place. There are a lot of people that are believing it. There have been some, well, we'll just say some some research, some leaks of information that seem to strongly indicate that this could be soon. Soon and very soon, nuclear bombs will be blowing up soon, as long as they don't miss my house. I mean, I don't want to be missed. That's the thing. I don't mind getting hit. If I'm at ground zero or or in the vaporization zone or whatever you want to call it, that's cool. I just don't want to be on the outskirts. Forget that noise. All right, next one up. 
United States issues nuclear warning to North Korea. A top State Department official said the entire world would react harshly to any nuclear test by Pyongyang. Boy, I bet you, uh, <laughs> I bet you they're shaking in their shoes. They're like biting their nails, going, "Oh no, they're going to give us a sanction." <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, anyway. We've been so effective, you know, with Russia destroying our own lives and and doing nothing but making Russia filthy rich. But, you know, never mind. Let's just keep on playing along and, you know, whatever. Praise God. Putin's mouthpiece threatens World War III. Russian political scientist Sergei Mikheyev uh, used Russia's state-controlled TV to send a nuclear warning to the West. Speaking on Russia's Channel 1, he threatened that the weapons that keep reaching Ukraine will see the war in Ukraine escalate into World War III. He said, quote, the nuclear war is coming. Listen to this. The United States is another headline. Another headline. The United States declares a national energy emergency. The United States declared a national energy emergency on June 6th of 2022, which have been two days ago. The emergency declared to exist with respect to the threats of the availability of sufficient electrical generation power uh, or capacity to meet the expected customer demand and will stay in effect for a minimum of 24 months. Do you remember the conversation we had on the last show about emergency declaration, state of emergency, all that kind of stuff, you know, and how it activates executive orders and kind of cancels out the Constitution? So everybody's like sitting there waving their flags going, hey, this is covered under the Constitution. You can't arrest me. Next thing you know, they're deported to Egypt and getting waterboarded. Another headline, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Get ready for some more powerful solar storms, radio blackout, earthquakes, and eruptions. Solar cycle 25 is exceeding predictions. And sunspot numbers in May of 2022 were the highest in almost eight years. Oh, no, I've got to get my ham radio antenna back up again. Oh. Another headline, hallelujah. Complete coincidence, desk. at least seven large farm fires. Again, I will repeat this. At least seven large farm fires scorched the United States in the last 10 days. So we have a minimum of, was it 17 food processing facilities burned to the ground? Don't think for a second it wasn't arson. There were some reports that it was over 30. And now... They're burning down farms. Seven fires at six facilities between May 28th and Monday. Enough said. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bring on Brother Lauren Peterson. Hallelujah. Here we go. Lauren, are you there? Hello. 
Hey man, how's it going? You hanging in there? You enjoying the uh, the uh, early early uh, shaking of the apocalypse? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have more of those red pills I could take? No, fresh out. Um, we all slugged down every red pill we could get our hands on, and uh, you know now we're looking for somebody that we can fellowship with, and nobody's left. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> oh, anyway. gone. Oh no. That's just how it is. Oh, no. Oh, the pills are gone. I need more red pills for more harsh realities. I know. Go down more rabbit holes. Ma'am, all you got to do is just flip your flip flip through, maybe pick, pick randomly any. Oh, I don't know, half a dozen news outlets. Just randomly, <laughs> just flip right through headlines. If that's not enough to make you reach for the, you know. KOP date, I don't know what will. <laughs> you know? That's right. Pretty much it. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, I yep. can't rob you any more time because I know you, you you get heated. You get your uh, you get your string pulled, but you really get like up to speed right about the 40-minute mark, and then you run out of time, and you're like, God, doggone it, I'm running out of time. So I don't want to steal any of that. <laughs> okay, well, I got, it over I got some – Okay, so I'm glad you played. I'm glad you played the X Files thing. That was season ten, so that was only six episodes. And uh, so what? What I think uh, Chris Carter and team were trying to do in those six episodes was to uh, hit the high points. You know, they're looking back at the first nine years of the uh, X Files, and what they were doing is maybe like uh, testing the waters, hitting the high points. You know, each of the six episodes is a high point that reflects back to. Uh, previous shows and episodes or sequences of shows uh, back in the original nine years. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, studios and stuff, they put a lot of money on, on programs and whether movies, TV shows, et cetera, musicals, uh, MTV, show, you know, uh, musicals and stuff. <clears throat> but so they, they, uh, they want to know as best they can beforehand before plunging in tons of money on something. So, uh <clears throat> That six shows may have been a testing the water to see if the public was still interested enough in the X-Files to justify dumping millions of bucks into a regular season or more. <clears throat> but I don't know. Maybe they just intended to do six shows and that was it and uh, no more. But um, maybe it was testing the waters, <laughs> see if there was enough interest. But after that lapse of time, after the ninth season, and then the uh, – Later on, was almost a decade goes by, or maybe less. I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, <clears throat> they did lose some momentum there. Had they kept going with season ten, eleven, twelve, you know, you know, there's plenty of material to deep dive into. There's no shortage of material for the X Files. So I think if they would have kept rolling with it into further seasons, they would have continued to be successful with it. But you know, people's um, <clears throat> Sometimes when, if you're an actor, actress in in a long-term TV show like that, you run the risk of getting typecasted when, in fact, you might be interested in doing some other things, playing some other roles. And the last thing you want to do is become typecasted, uh, where everybody in the world uh, remembers you and thinks of you, and you can play another role, but it just doesn't work because they've typecasted you in the public mind. 
and you can see that reflected in some movies or some some actress some actresses is like there's nobody else on the planet that could play that role they're it okay you can kind of see that in some of these movies and tv shows you could put anybody else in there but it wouldn't hold water that person was the person for that role okay <clears throat> so i want to hit on uh, five five things i kind of wrote down some really <laughs> uh, notes here that you mentioned earlier tonight <clears throat> and okay the burning farms all these chicken farms and uh, egg lane chicken farms and stuff that are burning hog houses you know all these things that are going on even around the world um uh, it's like, is there any, um, you know, when a fire breaks out, then the fire chief and, and his crew go in to investigate what caused the fire. So I'd be really interested to know if there's any causes to these fires, if there's been any tangible evidence as to what caused these fires. Why are they erupting all of a sudden all over the place? So I have an idea. It's called do weapons, directed energy weapons, that leave no trace at all. They can overload. They can be localized to a chicken farm and blow the circuits on that chicken farm, overload the electronics, the, the electrical wires, um, the junk, the junction boxes, the uh, you know the main panel, wherever. In a chicken farm like that, you'd have probably several main panels of where electricity then uh, the main line goes in and branches off to individual circuits. You can focus your do weapon right on there and just blow that sucker, kingdom come, and there won't be any trace of what caused that. And you can do this through satellites, but the more sexy, more efficient means is through drone technology. Just fly a drone in the middle of the night over a chicken farm, and lo and behold, it burns to the ground without a trace of what caused it. So if this is true, folks, we're going to be seeing more of it, more of these farms, um, agricultural warehouses, etc., burn to the ground without a trace as to what really caused it. Do weapons have been around for quite a while, but what you know? Uh, think of uh, Paul Wellstone. He was a senator from Minnesota, and he was a constant thorn in Bush. Uh, Bush, I forget what president he was. Uh, in 2000 onward, for eight years, that President Bush, he was a constant thorn in Bush's President Bush's side. Um, and so the powers that be, in my opinion, decided to take him and his entire family out. They were in an airplane flying from one place to another in Minnesota, and the plane went down without any trace as to what caused it. Do weapons, shoulder-fired, directed energy weapon at that plane would leave no trace as to what caused the problem. Problem solved. Contentious Paul Wellstone dealt with. Sending a message to other senators and Congress people to tote the line or this will happen to you too. Uh, so they've had these do weapons for a long time and satellite-based weapons um, going back even before that. But kind of like the game changer here is every once in a while or a number of years, the technology does indeed improve. 
pick your technology and it improves to the point where it makes sense finally to use it, to use it uh, more efficiently, effectively, more clandestinely, without a trace whatsoever. And a drone would fly under radar. <laughs> so your uh, airport radars, uh, weather radars would not pick up a drone. <clears throat> and so they can just start burning down. Remember in the Civil War, I forget what who it was, uh, Sherman, General Sherman, would go through the South and burn the fields of the Confederate farmers. Burn the fields to starve them out, starve them into submission. We're seeing that employed right now. Starve Americans to death on not just burning facilities, but other means that will lead to the mass starvation of America. So it doesn't matter how much you believe in the Second Amendment and arm up, ammo up, but if you're starving to death, what are you going to do? When there's no food, no water, no electricity, no nothing, no gasoline, good luck with your Second Amendment. <clears throat> now, Uvalde, same kind of thing. That I read that uh, article also. A United States Army recon plane landed in Uvalde before the shooting and left just before the shooter was killed. So the ones who the one or ones who shot and killed the shooter are specifically trained to ignore <clears throat> to ignore um being like cowardly like behavior they're trained to ignore those things and to rush in and deal with the situation and take out the problem they're trained for that so i picture this us army plane had on board do weapons that are mind weapons that this shooter was a mind control slave from the get-go he had been militarized he had been weaponized he had been mined i could say a word folks but the kid had no ch no chance no choice he had been selected for this purpose doomed for eternity for this it's really sad folks this could happen theoretically to any one of us and the bible says to bring every thought captive to the obedience of jesus christ you said earlier john there's a reason why god put that in the bible because we're facing now with this kind of technology that's surrounding us 24 7 to mess with our minds to mess with our bodies, mess with our hearts, mess with our motivations, why we do what we do, to turn any one of us into a mind control slave at any time. So even more so, we need to take that verse extremely seriously to bring every thought into the captive obedience of Jesus Christ. This kid did not have a chance because the people around there did not understand what they were dealing with. Like you were saying earlier, John, is so many Christians don't understand, they don't know, and they don't want to know, some of them, what's really going on because the truth is horrific of what the darkness is doing to people. That Uvalde was a sacrifice unto the dark powers. Killing those innocent children was a, was a satanic sacrifice. 
from the highest orders, filtered down to the lowest levels of that shooter guy that didn't have a chance because I would imagine there are some prayer warriors in Uvalde, but if you're not aware of that particular individual and where that individual is at in his or her situation, then you're you're operating on ignorance. You're going to be totally ignorant of the of the potential of that person to do harm. Consequently, you're not going to be taking spiritual authority over the demons that are impacting that person to do the evil that they have been programmed to do. You're not going to be preemptive in preventing that situation. If you don't know, have any idea that that Army airplane that's <clears throat> excuse me, landing in your airfield or <clears throat> in your town <clears throat> might just have on board <clears throat> mind control weapons, that a sacrifice is about to happen, then you're not going to be praying against it. You're just going to be living your life another day in paradise in the United States of Babylon. Okay? Totally oblivious. And then something horrific happens that could have been prevented. The darkness has declared war. <clears throat> and most Christians against us in particular but humanity in general. And most people are oblivious to that. But those who of us who are awake to this can now become pre-active if we can connect the dots before the dots all get connected. If we leave one connection left unconnected, it foils their plans. You see what I'm saying? So Uvalde was clearly, so not only was this 10-year-old guy a mind control slave, that was probably triggered and um, mo- you know, monitored, modified as, as things played out. He's responding to this mind control weapons that's being, he's a targeted individual. But in a general sense, on the flip side, the police, that tarried. Now, granted, one training session doesn't make you a, into a Rambo. You have to go through a lot of training and conditioning before you're even ready to be a Rambo, okay, to charge in with guns a-blazing and save the day, okay, kind of thing, okay. But there's technology that exists on the opposite end of the scale that creates cowardly behavior in people that makes them hold back, makes them cowards. This situation in Uvalde was a complete scripted event with high-level technology, modifying the behaviors of the shooter as well as the responders. But when the the one who finally did go in and take him out, <clears throat> he was specifically trained. So for those people, you'd really have to amp up the, the cowardly signal to get them to back down and back off because they're trained to ignore those kinds of things. So you'd really have to amp up the signal. <clears throat> so that's my take on that. 
I've read about mind control technologies for like 40 years, you know. <clears throat> now, in the food, uh, the food and fuel rationing, you were m earlier mentioned about that um, oil oil or refinery that's going to be going offline <clears throat> at at a such a time as this that will jack the prices of all fuel-related products through the roof, okay? And that it's probably intentional, most likely. Now, granted, refineries, you know, every once in a while, they they do need to probably go through a top-to-bottom uh, check and verification, re, uh, repair, you know, fix repair, um, do any renovations, any uh, overhauls that need to be done. These refineries are massive complexes and incredibly complex. So, <clears throat> but we have fewer and fewer refineries, and the last one that was ever built was many years ago. And with the war against fossil fuels, the Biden administration is is uh, fighting against fossil fuels. Um, the the oil refineries, uh, the the uh, fossil fuel industry is not likely to invest in anything new, even if it's the greatest, latest whiz-bang of technology that would save them a whole lot of money in refining products or drilling and extracting uh, fossil fuels from the ground would save them tons of money and so it makes them more money you know, on the backside of this. By saving money, you're making money kind of thing. and um, They're not going to invest even in new technologies that would save them money, make things more efficient. They're not going to invest one penny if there's a war against them. They're just going to let everything slide, and you can't blame them. Why should they, why should they invest anything if, they're, if, <laughs> if the government has declared war against them? So if that's the case, you can expect all fossil fuel-related items and products and technologies to fall by the wayside, and we can just return to living in caves and grunting and groaning, you know, ooga cha cha, ooga cha cha, you know, and living off the land, whatever's left. And our our high tech society would be a long distant memory. <clears throat> so this food and fuel rationing that the government is planning to implement against us, and in other countries of the world. Let us remind ourselves that for like a lot of years now, <laughs> over a decade or so, grocery stores have been mandating, uh, have already engaged us in rationing certain items. So you go to the store, limit limit two, limit four, limit ten, okay? They've been doing this a long time. I remember back in the early 90s when I first moved out here, there was a lot of grocery stores here, and they were competing with each other and have super deals, you know, not only super sale deals, but dollar off. I was a big cornflakes guy back then. Okay. 24 ounce box of cornflakes for less than a, uh, maybe 99 cents. So <clears throat> with a coupon, okay, maybe they go double coupons. Sometimes they go triple coupons. So I just load up a whole grocery cart full of 24 ounce box of cornflakes. But I was eating them. I wasn't hoarding them. I was actually eating them until the next sale. And I get some more. So it's not like I'm hoarding and then have to throw them away because they're too old. I ate them, okay? <clears throat> well, there was no limits back then. But what we what have we seen in the last 10 or so, so years? Limit this, limit that. They have been conditioning us to accept rationing. 
So if we can now look backward to when this began and realize that they were messing with our minds, preconditioning us to accept this food and fuel rationing that's coming down on us like spades. <clears throat> okay. Now, the next topic is uh, you mentioned about volcanoes and, and uh, water turning to blood and everything. That brought to mind uh, in the Peterson Chronicles, I remember talking about this, uh, John, is, uh, I don't remember what year or what episode it was, but there's a, a Roger, his name is Roger Spur, I think that's his last name, and he has Mud Fossil University. You can find him on the internet. He's got a lot of YouTube videos and everything. It's Mud Fossil University, Roger, and I think his last name is Spur. Now, when I first came across him, I thought he, he sounded like um, some Yahoo or something. But as I listened to more and more of his videos and I read up on him, he actually has the degrees to research the things that he's been deep diving into. He has the degrees. It's not he's not a Yahoo, you know. He knows his stuff. And so it pays to listen to what he has to say. And what he's uncovered and other researchers as well is that <clears throat> the giants in the Old Testament were not you know, we we think that we find a fossil a humanoid fossil that's 20 feet, and we think, oh, that's the giants of the pre-flood world. No, it's not. A 20-foot giant is post-flood, not pre-flood. So you find a 20-foot giant fossil that's post-flood, not pre-flood. The pre-flood giants were much, much at a 10 times taller than that, 200 feet, 300 feet, 400 feet, okay, giants. Now let's backtrack. If mankind, Adam and Eve, were created a 100% DNA activation, 100% perfect, 100% DNA activation, possibly 12-stranded DNA, all 100% activated, okay, and where, where are we at now? Possibly 8% DNA activation with only two strands in operation. So when Jesus said, unless those days be cut short, no flesh would be left alive, do you think he knew what he was talking about? Do you think he knew about the giants in the pre-flood world? Do you think he knew that Adam and Eve were created perfect, 100% DNA activation across 12 strands? And now he's dealing with his uh, comment at the time in humanity that we have drop down so drastically down to 8% and two-stranded DNA. And when it, when he said that, do you think he understood that mankind has gone downhill? It's not evolution. Mankind has not evolved. Mankind has devolved. Mankind has subjected to devolution. Get the pun? Devolution? Okay. <laughs> it's gone downhill, not only in age span, but in our DNA activation and our conscious, subconscious realm. Think of Adam and Eve at 100%, 100% conscious of all things around them and all dimensionalities surrounding them. They were tapping into, they could see, they had eyes to see into all the dimensions around them. 
Today, there's maybe a select people who can see in alternate dimensions around them, but for most of us, we can't. We only see with our natural eyes, most of us. So we have to have that improvised with technologies. And so then you get into the deep state, the uh, deep underground labs, the super space program that's really pushed the envelope on all this stuff, and they are aware of these things. But for most of us, we're not. We think that, you know, what surrounds us, uh, our five senses, that that's it. We're in a vast sea of smorgasbord of life forms and multiple dimensionalities all around us, right here on our own planet, let alone out there. <laughs> okay. Are we alone? No, we're not. <laughs> we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, not just of our people who've gone before unto the Lord, but a great cloud of witnesses of other life forms all around us. So Adam and Eve, and even afterwards, pre-flood, had the ability to tap into these alternate dimensionalities all around us and to see, okay, what we can't see now. So does that sound like mankind has evolved? Okay, Evolution is an outright lie, folks, total lie, total fabrication. So when Jesus said, unless those days be cut short, no flesh would be left alive. So you look at um, Noah's flood. If indeed it was global, it was a global catastrophic event. Tower of Babel, in my opinion, another global catastrophic event that cut mankind's age and consequent his DNA activation in half. And here we are at 8%. Probably 8%, you know, one-thirteenth of our original lifespan. We're now at one-thirteenth. So if we're at two-strand DNA at 8% activation and one-thirteenth, you know, where we started out at, what would happen if mankind went through another global catastrophic event? Would we be stripped down to one-stranded DNA or maybe zero? Okay, if zero strands, we wouldn't be around at all. Okay, one, even if we survived at one strand, I don't know how that would work, okay? But one, say, one-stranded DNA at 2% activation, maybe like being an amoeba, reduced to an amoeba or something, or a bacteria, would we even be able to have enough umph left in the genome to continue on as a species. If we take Jesus' statement seriously, the answer would be no. There would, Even if anybody survived after that, there wouldn't be enough left in the genome to continue on much beyond that point. There would be no flesh left over. And if it happened, is happening to us, it's happened to the other life on this planet, the animals, the fish, the birds. How have they, the plants, the trees, how have they all been impacted by this degradation, this devolution for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years? All going downhill. So when we, going back to Roger on Mud Fossil University, what he un, has uncovered is what he believes and puts forth that these giants, pre-flood giants, were not 20-footers, 200 feet, 300 feet, 400 feet, and they are all over in certain parts of the world left as rocks. They were solidified into rocks, 
and he explains how that is possible. On the surface, it would say, what? You're scratching your head. That guy's nuts, you know, putting forth that kind of idea. But he, again, he's got the qualifications. He's got the degrees to take this to its conclusion. So he puts forth the arguments. There is a way by which these giants could become solidified into rock, and when the rock breaks down over time, it becomes sand, the sand on the seashore. Part of that sand on the seashores all over the world is from rocks that used to be giants that were turned into rock. We know about... Lot and his wife, his wife turned back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Well, that pillar of salt, we think like, well, is that like a pillar of table salt? (laughs) Okay. No, maybe she was turned into a rock. All right. There is a process by which within a split second, a human being, a flesh, a flesh and bone, human being or other flesh, creature could be turned into solid rock there is a mechanism that 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 can happen and he explains that now some of the rocks that he has examined he you know he goes rock hunting and he can bring them back and he examines them sometimes he'll cut into them he has discovered rocks that used to be lungs of these giants he's uncovered rocks that used to be hearts He's uncovered rocks that still exude blood. And he's verified this. Blood coming out of the rocks. So what I'm suggesting, tying this in with the volcanoes, we may be witnessing actual pre-flood blood from the giants that has been recirculated into our time. That has not. That is still there, still viable. Okay, it seems like how could that happen? But listen to his videos, deep dive into his research, and then there's other researchers that likewise. Okay, it it will open up your eyes that you'll never see rocks the same way again, and you'll always be wondering. I wonder if that rock over there. I've got a rock in my my lawn here that was dug up 20 feet that had never seen the light of day since the day, the moment it was actually put there, who knows, thousands, millions of years ago, 20 feet, 24 feet down in the ground. Whenever that happened, that in 2015, it finally sees the light of day. And it looks like a lung. Now, maybe it's not, you know, <laughs> but after uh, listening and watching Roger's videos, it makes you wonder. So I encourage you to research that. Um, the COVID thing. Um, back in January 2020, there was a report I read about of this. Of course, we knew already in January 2020 about the uh, nursing home in Washington State that uh, the uh, clients there were coming down with COVID, and they were trying to figure out how in the world come down with COVID. It had already been going blockbusters in our um ransacking China already up to that point, already hitting China hard. And thousands upon thousands of Chinese were 
getting affected, having their problems, even dropping dead in the street, you know, all that kind of thing. So the Chinese authorities are gathering up the dead bodies as well as the sick and even sometimes alive people and stuffing them in body bags and throwing them in uh, crematoriums, burning living people. <laughs> wrong place, you know, wrong time, wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, you're in an apartment that uh, there's infected people, so we're going to clear out everybody of that apartment complex. Even if you're not infected, we're just going to stuff you in body bags and throw you in a crematorium and burn you to death. Okay, uh, that was their approach. So in I think it was January, maybe February, it's the latest. But there was another report of a young man, a young teenage boy, in the out in the wilds of the Amazon jungle that they never see <laughs> ever see anybody from outside the jungle unless it's absolutely necessary that they go into town or a city or something. So otherwise they're remote and they are isolated. But this young teenage boy came down with COVID. Now, how did that happen? If they don't see anybody from the outside and nobody from the outside came to see them, how could that happen? So at first, you know, the, the local uh, doctors, which are probably practicing their local medicine that's based on generations of medicine treatments, you know, roots and herbs and things of that nature, you know, tried to treat him, but he did not respond. So they finally broke down and decided to take them in, take the boy into the, the big city where the hospitals were, and they found out the kid had COVID. The dots means that COVID was airborne. All the while, the CDC was saying it wasn't airborne. Until about a month or so ago, they finally admitted that COVID is airborne. One of the ways it can be transmitted is through airborne. I knew that since January 2020. Now let's connect some more dots. China was already incinerating people up to January of 2020 by the thousands. Okay, so they don't have the pollution controls, environmental controls that we have over here in the United States that dictates crematoriums burn at a certain uh, heat and, and uh, totality of burning absolutely everything of a body down to, to t total ash. And um, the smokestacks, you know, pollution controls regulating that and all, all that stuff. Okay, so there's a lot of controls here in the United States that there's no controls over in China. So let's say that they were burning the bodies enough to burn them, but not enough to burn whatever this was, a virus or whatever it was, not enough to burn that. So they don't have the pollution controls up the smokestacks. So all this is being wafted up out of these smokestacks, pouring out of smokestacks and wafting up into the atmosphere, to the upper atmosphere and into the, the winds, the high winds, way up there that travel at hundreds of miles an hour and within hours is floating down across Canada, the United States, Central South America. And has been doing that ever since. You can't avoid COVID. It's like the common cold or flu flu bugs. You can't avoid them. They are absolutely everywhere. You could be a Howard Hughes stuck in his high-rise apartment complex, isolated from everybody, wears masks, gloves, everything. And I'm sorry, Howard, <laughs> you know, he's long past, of course. But the cold bugs and the flu bugs are everywhere. 
even in the people that come to visit you, if they're totally masked up and in a, you know, a rubber suit or, um, a, what is it, a five five degree suit, you know, that contamination suit, total protection, it still get through that. <clears throat> the military here found out that this COVID, COVID, whatever virus or whatever it is, can get through their best masks. So I'm sure they're trying to come up with better masks. You know, the military. Well, hopefully they are. Um, but they found out that their masks were no match for this. It was getting through their masks, their filtration systems. Um, at least that's what I read. So whether it's true or not, who knows? But okay, so connect all these dots, and you find out that COVID has been airborne from, from the day one and was intentionally done so. But even if not, China does not have the pollution controls that we have over here, so it just wafted right over here and and filtering down in our water, our food, our air we breathe, every flat surface, you know, it's everywhere. You can't avoid it except unless you enhance your immune system with proper nutrition and supplements. Most people are vitamin D deficient to where they come down with colds and flus every winter because the sun is, you know, we get a lot of natural vitamin D from sunlight. And what was one of the things that the CDC was telling us to do is avoid going outside, stay indoors where there's no sunlight. They were telling us the opposite of what we should have been doing. We should have been going more outside and spending more time absorbing natural sunlight. But they were telling everybody, stay indoors. And then what's the other thing they're telling them? Wear a mask. Well, yeah, okay, wear a mask. Okay, what does that do? Our bodies, and another factor that strongly helps our bodies, our immune systems to fight off stuff is getting enough oxygen. And most people are oxygen deficient because we sit most of the time. In our jobs, our lives, we, we sit all day. We get tired, of course, tired from sitting. We're doing a lot of mind work. That The brain is the largest or, or the organ that consumes the most energy of, in any organ of our bodies is the brain. Okay, so we're sitting all day, not getting exercise, not getting the oxygen into our system, and our brains are burning up everything. So we're depleted at the end of the workday. So then we drive home, we're sitting. Then we go home, we're tired. So we sit down, we lay down, we sit down to eat. You know, we spend most of our lives sitting and becoming oxygen deprived. So what does the CDC says? Everybody's got to wear a mask. And they have their logic for doing so. When in fact, we should have been getting more oxygen into our systems. So whenever the government tells you to do something, an outright lie, they're probably trying to kill you. Okay? You got to think the opposite direction and say, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. Now, if I, out here in South Dakota, South Dakota is one of the very few states that remained open and not locked down. And South Dakota as a state left it up to individual towns or cities to decide for themselves whether they want to mandate masks or mandate, you know, locking down for a while. And there's some that did. Okay. But for the most part, like here where I live, it was up to each individual business whether they wanted to mandate masks for customers. If they come in, they have to wear a mask or not. So to me, that's okay. If 
a certain business wants to mandate a mask, I will, if I need to go in there to do a business that I can't do anywhere else, then I will abide by their decision. I will make wear a mask, and I will not make a big scene out of it. Because ultimately, if I really feel that strong anti-mask, I will drive somewhere else to another store that doesn't mandate a mask. <laughs> as long as there are stores that don't mandate masks, okay? And then there were some stores here that did not mandate a mask. It's optional. So then I would not wear one because I understood about the oxygen. You got to get up, you got to move, you got to exercise, you got to get that oxygen into your body as one of the primary means of enhancing your immune system. All right, so I'm done done with those um, key points there. So I'm going to swing swing back into Rahab. <clears throat> Believe it or not, you know there's there's not a lot said in the totality of the Bible. There's you know percentage wise not a lot said about Rahab. <clears throat> it's kind of like the Tower of Babel story, only nine verses, one through nine in chapter 11 of Genesis. So on the surface, there appears to be not a lot said about it, so you know there must not be a lot to it. Well, that would be a mistake to assume that because there's volumes. Within those nine verses of chapter 11 of Genesis, there are volumes Okay, that can be discussed, researched, discussed about, illuminated about. Likewise with Rahab, there's a few, uh, few select verses here and there that on the surface would appear, well, if God meant it to be a more of a big deal, he would have mentioned more about it. But that might be a wrongful conclusion because within the few statements that are made about Rahab, there's an entire volumes of a storyline about Rahab. And because Rahab is not a singular being unto itself, but branches off to Lucifer, Leviathan, Behemoth, the Angel Wars, the Luciferian Rebellion, the original creation, it starts opening up to a vast panoramic experience. Okay, So I started uh, weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I started writing down about Rahab. <clears throat> And I would guess that I probably got about half of where I intend to go, but of course that could change. And you know, when you start to when you write something, and then you take a few days or so off, you know, other things happen. You got to address issues in your life. You know, you got to run errands, or somebody's sick, or whatever. <clears throat> got a job to do, a mission to accomplish. Okay, so you got to do those things, and you come back and you reread that, and you maybe, oh, I can tweak this, you know, tweak that, tweak this, add something, subtract it, move it over here, kind of thing. So, but here I go, <clears throat> and I hope that maybe by next time, next show, I'll have more written on this. And uh, that if enough people like it, would like a copy, I'll beam it, beam it over, email it over to John, and he can post it on his website if he wants to, if he feels led to do so. Or maybe you can contact me directly, and I'll just email you a copy direct. But here it goes. The title, Rahab, the Once Mighty and Proud Dragon. In Isaiah 30, verse 7, God compares Egypt to Rahab. Egypt's help is vain and empty. Therefore, I have called her Rahab, who just sits still. 
Now, in my writing, I reference the Bible verse, you know, the book, the chapter, the verse or verses, and then what um, what rendition or version of Bible that I'm quoting from, like I use English Standard Version a lot, or I might use once in a while King James Version or New King James Version that I might think maybe extracts a little better rendition out uh, than other versions. But in this case, this is a Hebrew to English at the bottom, and I mentioned the the web page where you can reference it. So I'll also include the web page that you can reference this to get more information. But it's a Hebrew to English translation. Okay, continuing on. The background to this declaration of God in comparing Egypt to Rahab is found in the verses preceding verse 7. Verse 1, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who devise and carry out plans, but not of my will, who form an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Now that's the reason right there, that they may add sin to sin. That's the reason they're not consulting the Lord. That's the reason they're not forming an alliance with the spirit of the living Lord. Because they want to add sin to sin. So they're going there, they're devising and carrying out their own plans. Verse 2, who traveled down to Egypt without inquiring of me beforehand to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Verse 3, therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. Verse 4, for though his officials are at Zoan, and his envoys reach Hanes. Verse 5. Everyone comes to shame through a people that cannot profit. Brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. Now these five verses also reflect on our current situation here in the United States and maybe other nations of the world. So read through these verses again. This is Isaiah 30, 1 through 7. And see if they don't also reflect today's environment. Now, verse 1 through 2a is my translation. And then uh, by reading some of the other translations, didn't quite have the flavor I wanted to present, so I modified it. But verse 2b through 5 is from English Standard Version. Continuing, why would God compare Egypt to Rahab as being vain, empty, and who just sits still. Egypt was a powerful regional player at the time, economically, politically, and militarily, even as evidenced in the above verses, that specifically two and four, not a nation nor people of inconsequence. And notice that the words vain and empty seem to have a flavor of Genesis 1-2 about them, where the earth had become without form and void. Although the underlying Hebrew words of Genesis 1-2, that's tohu and bohu, and Isaiah 30, verse 7, I'm not sure how to pronounce those two words, are entirely different, the correlation certainly seems to be there. Rahab, who just sits still, has also been translated as Rahab, the harmless dragon, in the New Living Translation, and as Rahab, who has been exterminated in the New American Standard Bible. 
putting all three renditions together, we have Rahab the dragon was exterminated and rendered harmless, no longer a shelter for friends, nor a threat to foes, nor even as a living, viable entity unto itself, but who just sits still. Great war and all-consuming darkness. In the time before time, that is, in the time that long ago preceded the time we live in and know of, and of which scientists peer backwards through billions of years in their search for the source point of the Big Bang, or Big Bounce, believed by other scientists, a great war had broken out across the cosmos. The Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars had gone full kinetic and had spread out across large swaths of creation, conquering some, obliterating others, entire planets, solar systems, even galaxies. Gone. One of the many consequences of this satanic campaign against creation was God's counteraction against a chief general in Lucifer's forces, a top-tiered being that God had previously created long before within his original creation of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1 is that time before time in which the original time within the original creation stretched across eons of history mostly unknown to us except for snippets of prehistory as recorded in the Bible. One such snippet is that God had cut to pieces this top-tiered created being, this chief general in Lucifer's forces, rendering Rahab the dragon ineffectual or who just sits still. In our terms today, Rahab was dead in the water and perhaps literally dead in the darkened waters of the abyss, the singularity of inescapable descent, death, and destruction that we find in the middle of the second verse in Genesis chapter 1. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The underlying Hebrew of the deep translates more accurately as the abyss. Darkness, not just physical darkness, but in all of its connotations and realities, was not only upon the face of the abyss, but had permeated and consumed the entirety of the abyss, and was in fact what had caused the abyss to form in the first place. It was simple cause and effect, and the first instance of the law of unintended consequences. Darkness was the cause, and the unintended effect was the formation of the abyss, the mother of all black holes, sucking in and consuming up to one-third of God's original creation before God put a stop to the all-consuming darkness and placed the contagion into a quarantine-simulated existence, a closed-loop reality that we find ourselves in to this day. In today's computer terminology, God had placed this abyss, this mother of all black holes, this fallen one-third of creation, into a sandbox, where contained, it could no longer nor no further affect the rest of creation, the unfallen two-thirds, that had remained untainted and unfallen. Darkness is not just the absence of light, as some people posit, but is more so and ultimately a highly motivated anti-force, actively warring against God's light in creation and his begotten ones. 
This abyss was not part of God's original creation of the heavens and the earth within Genesis 1-1, but was as an unintended consequence of the Luciferian rebellion and angel wars, of which God and his heavenly forces fought back against in a tangible nuts and bolts war in heaven, referencing Revelation 12-7. Feet of Rahab. We find, that's the subtitle, we find references in the Bible of God defeating Rahab. In Isaiah 51.9, God cuts Rahab to pieces. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? As a side note, days of old and generations of long ago are references, references pointing back to that time before time of that time when the Luciferian Rebellion and the Angel Wars broke out across the cosmos and when God then actively fought against with his arm of the Lord, specifically in this verse against Rahab. This reference to generations of long ago is also mentioned in Genesis 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Notice that the heavens and the earth were first created and then made, which is a subtle reference to the gap theory that some believe lies between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, wherein the Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars broke out and raged on for an undisclosed stretch of time. Also notice that the generations is used when the heavens and the earth were created, implying a longer time than when made later on. But the day is used when God made the earth and the heavens, implying a shorter time than when originally created. More about this in a later writing. <clears throat> Getting back to Rahab, another verse referencing the defeat of Rahab is found in Job 26. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his hand, or his hand pierced, pierced the fleeing serpent. And another in Psalm 89, you crushed Rahab like a carcass. So in Isaiah 51, God pierced Rahab to critically wound it from being, a, being able to fight back before cutting the dragon to pieces. In Job 26, God pierced Rahab to disable it from being able to flee before shattering the fleeing serpent. In Psalm 89, the same could be surmised that God pierced Rahab before crushing it. The following could be suggested. <clears throat> With his arm, Isaiah 51.9, lifted high and his sore and great and strong sword, that's Isaiah 27.1, firmly in hand. With a mighty thrust, God pierced Rahab, as he will one day to Leviathan, disabling the fleeing serpent from escaping the battle to a place of safety and critically wounding the dragon from being able to fight back. God then crushed Rahab like a carcass, Psalm 89.10, in which Rahab became broken and shattered, Job 26.12, but still intact sufficiently to exhibit life. God finally finished off Rahab by cutting it to pieces, Isaiah 51.9, to ensure that nothing of the dragon would nor could ever survive to be resurrected and placed back into service of the Luciferian angel wars. Although Lucifer and his remaining forces have tried since then, 
and continue so to this day with genetics and artificial intelligent quantum computers to put his second-in-command back together again to resurrect Rahab. They have been unable to do so, so complete with God's destruction of Rahab. The pieces of Rahab, however, have been kept on reserve by God ever since for his divinely appointed purposes, specifically for a time that would be long into the future, the time and season we are now in, the unfolding of the six seals of Revelation, and in the not-too-distant future that follows, the seventh seal judgments of the wrath of the Lamb of God. Subtitle, Pride Goeth Before a Fall. There's an old English nursery rhyme from the 18th century revised in the 1950s into its modern version. This is taken from uh, Wikipedia. That perhaps reflects this outcome of Rahab. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Humpty Dumpty is portrayed as an egg that had sat upon a wall but had fallen to the ground below. He had shattered and splattered so badly that it was impossible for the best efforts of all the king's horses and men to put Humpty back together again. As the old saying goes, pride goes before a fall. Proverbs 16:18. pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. <clears throat> the greater the pride, the greater the fall. And Rahab was overflowing with pride and arrogance, as was the one more so who was created prior to Rahab, Lucifer first created of all created beings. The name Rahab reveals the pride and arrogance that had taken hold of a former, perfectly created, top-tier dragon-serpent, second in command of Lucifer, but had fallen from grace, as had Lucifer before, and Leviathan, Behemoth, and a host of angelics after, all in their coordinated rebellion and warring against the Most High and his heavenly creation. Rahab was not some kind of earth-based sea creature of long ago, nor a watery deep dinosaur from millions of years ago, nor an overly large crocodile with an overly large appetite that God, for some unknown reason, had to defeat and carve up. Rather, Rahab was a top-tiered created being created with the primal power and energies of the Godhead, as was Lucifer before and Leviathan and Behemoth after. Subtitle, Contending with the Devil. No other created being in its own power, not even the mighty archangel Michael, could go up against and defeat the great and powerful Rahab. Neither could Michael go up against and defeat Lucifer himself, but could, with the power and authority of the Most High, contend with the devil and win the dispute. Quoting from Jude 1.9. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. In this passage in Jude, recounting the time when Moses had died, quite long after the outbreak of the angel wars, Michael was contending with the devil concerning the body of Moses. But Michael was not doing so in his own power and authority, The devil, i.e. Lucifer, was much more powerful than Michael, as Lucifer was first created of all created beings, while Michael was not even a top-tiered created being, but as an archangel was created later. 
Had Michael in his own power and authority contended and disputed with the devil, Lucifer would have defeated Michael badly. Michael knew this. He also knew that having an intelligent conversation with Lucifer or even a raucous debate would have proven nothing, nor been to any advantage for Michael. And he certainly knew better than to pronounce a blasphemous judgment against Lucifer, nor even to presume so, which would have had no impact against Lucifer, but would have impacted Michael in unintended ways, none of them good, perhaps even leading to his defeat and Lucifer's victory. Michael relied solely upon the power and authority that the Most High had empowered him with, within and only within, the mission parameters of retrieving Moses' body. Had Michael gone outside those parameters, not only would he not have been able to retrieve Moses' body, but he would have been defeated by the mightiest of all created beings, Lucifer, first created of all created beings. After contending and disputing with the devil, Michael settled the contest for Moses' body with the Lord rebuke you, invoking the ultimate power and authority that the Most High had empowered Michael with. Um, So I'm getting close to what I wrote. Um, I do have some further things I talk about uh, from that point. We're going to get into such topics as Rahab the planet. Was Rahab a planet? Was Rahab a dragon, a dragon serpent, a serpent dragon? Okay. How could Rahab be a planet? Some people today believe Rahab was a planet between Mars and Jupiter that was blown a long time ago, exploded planet hypothesis. And uh, some be, people believe that that was Rahab. But is a planet a serpent? Okay. Is a planet a dragon? Is a dragon a planet? Okay. It makes no sense, right? But there is a way to make sense out of it. And I mentioned this, I think, in the previous show. Um, If you read the book and or watch the movie, The Philadelphia Experiment, and there's probably other movies and TV shows and stuff that refer to this uh, reality of where one object can be perfectly melded into another object. would explain how Rahab could be phase-locked within this fifth planet called Maldek, and Leviathan and Behemoth phase-locked into the Earth. Leviathan, the sea portion, the deep sea portion of the Earth, and Behemoth, the land portion of the Earth, which later surfaces, those two guys, later surface in Revelation 13 as the first beast and second beast. Now, Leviathan is not the beast, but overshadows the person of the beast, whereas uh, Behemoth overshadows the person of the second beast. And the first beast eventually is slain and comes back to life, and that's where then Lucifer embodies himself into the body of what we, who we call the Antichrist, this first beast. Then there's another subtitle called Rahab's Helpers, <clears throat> and I'll be All right, we're there. That. We're at the 
we're at that yeah, hour. Right. I know you, the clock isn't your favorite <laughs> thing, <right>. uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, make a note, make a note in your notes, and we'll pick this up on the next program. Uh, and uh, thank you, Brother Lauren, for joining us tonight. Praise God. Uh, and we will be reconvening. Uh, let's see, it's Wednesday, June the 8th. We'll be, you know, theoretically, if a meteor doesn't hit the earth, which as far as I'm concerned, that can happen tonight. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, at, for the Friday night prayer, prayer vigil at 7 p.m. God bless you all for joining us. Thank you, Brother Lauren, for joining us, and we will see you yep. then. God bless, God bless you, all. you all. Thank you. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners that the mercy of grace, redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our mind, renew our soul. Remove the stars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits the Patiently. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather. We're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, 
we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set us free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. <laughs> 